Hello and welcome to China on the Rocks, a podcast about China, the F&B industry, and everything that's going on in our lives. My name is Logan, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Anna. Hi guys, I'm Anna from Postnobile, Shanghai. And as always, we're going to start our podcast with a shot. Cheers. Cheers. And cheers to you at home drinking with us. Oh, oh, that burns. Uh, what what was that today? So this week we're having Jingbing because we are just recovering from the great Jameson shortage. Well, uh, also, I mean, it is the Fourth of July month, so. Oh yeah, we should be going to America, right? Yeah, Jingbing is very apropos for that. So, how have your week been? My week has been real busy because it's been July Fourth stuff. So I'm doing a lot of barbecuing at work. Not off. I have no free time. All work-related barbecues, work-related、uh, everything. How about your week? Ah,、uh, so I had a work injury. I had a bar injury this week. Dun 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 dun. I、uh, because it's so hot.、Uh, my fridges are leaking a little bit of condensation water. We all have to go through this. If you guys at home or at your bar having this, get a guy to check the seal of the fridges because it's to do with the door seal, the little rubber thing. Uh, but the floor has been wet at one part of the bar, and I went to serve a customer in a hurry, and I slipped. Ooh, yeah, it was not nice. I fell on the ground. I sat down, and I just couldn't stand up for ten minutes. And I realized I fucked up my knee. Now, what did the、uh, customer do?、Uh, nothing. They all stayed quietly looking at me, like, and they waited for me to come up. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I walked it off. I was fine. <laughs> no. I walked it off. I was fine, but then I woke up Sunday and I couldn't bend my knee.、Mm, that's the worst. Yeah, and、uh, it's been a slow recovery, but we're getting there. Now I'm just walking funny, but yeah, we'll survive. It's part of the job. I mean, that's a tough thing with、uh, bartending. We use our we stand so much. You forget how important that kind of stuff is.、Mm. Like you could do a lot of like if you have a desk job or a home office job. If you if you're not mobile, it's not as important. But a bartender is not standing. It's almost rude. Like you sat in a chair, bartender for people. I would say that the standing part is not the worst part of the job physically. I think it's we lift a lot of heavy things, like kegs and cases. We are constantly doing repetitive movements, like picking up bottles and turning a rail. So we're constantly doing like repetitive physical movements that, over time, it's something that we can talk about in another episode. Actually, we didn't prepare for this, but we can talk about it because.、Um, Well, let's get your stories back at home, guys. What are your bar injuries、yeah. that you've got, like shaker's elbow? Because I think we don't. Yeah, I think we don't talk enough about again, like all the how we can do better with our posture, how we work, and all that, and all this. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Ongoing injuries. <laughs> yeah, but th- this is not an injury-prone podcast. What are、no. we talking about today, Anna? Today we're talking about garnishes. Now, this is an important one because without a good garnish, you're not going to have a good drink. Now, what do we mean with garnishes? Well, garnishes can be anything that either makes a drink visually better, or make it smell better, or taste better, or give you. A lot of the times, the garnish can trick your mind as well on the flavor that you're going for. So, I am a very minimalist garnisher. <laughs> I like my drinks if if it's not giving anything that the drink requires for the、yeah. concept or for the flavor or for the taste. I just don't do it. So, I have a lot of naked drinks as well. Well, like you're not going to do like a gold、uh, frosted piece of mint. Yes, no. <laughs> that's what I mean for the listener at home. That's what we're talking about. Like something ostentatious for being ostentatious, like a Bloody Mary that has like a cheeseburger and a lobster、uh-huh, roll. But I would say the Bloody Mary is the exception. More garnish, the better. Okay. Bloody Marys need to be insane. Okay, fair enough. I mean, 
I'll add everything I can find at the bar in the Bloody Mary. Yeah, like I'm talking like that, like a long. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like, what's the barbecue called? The Brazilian barbecue? Churrasco. Yeah, just like one of those of of just meats. No, okay, that, that's not that much, but I think Bloody Marys it should be overly garnished as well as tiki drinks. Okay, that's a good. That's a very good point. Tiki drinks, they need everything you can offer. They need mints. They need umbrellas. They need citrus. They need funky straws. They need. Yeah. fire they need whatever you can offer it's required because it is a party a tiki drink is a party it's supposed to be escapism right and if i'm going to escape this world i want to go to a place that drinks come with umbrellas yeah <laughs> it's just required yeah drinks with umbrellas make you feel better about whatever you're... you can't be sad drinking a drink with an umbrella and if you are you feel like so stupid yeah you're like you're sad at a bar you get a drink of an umbrella and you're like life is not that bad we have a mutual friend that something happened to and i think i'm going to give her a drink with an umbrella soon yes that's it's obviously umbrella. That's her new move. It's here's your umbrella. So speaking of just with garnishes, let's start from the basic, basic garnish. The one that everybody knows. A lime. A lime. Now limes are so special because you could cut them lime wheels, lime wedges, as my Australian friend Zach calls them, corona cuts. <laughs> corona cuts. We can also do half limes hollowed up. Yep. Um lime skin. Lime skin. Yeah. A lime zest. Lime leaf. Not the same lime, but okay. <laughs> yes, but you're, yeah, but yeah, you know what I mean? There's, lime is such a multi-use tool for bartending. It is. It is a staple in any bar. So, have you heard of courtesy cuts before? Courtesy cuts? Yeah, I didn't hear. I was looking up stuff about garnishes, and somebody was saying, oh, my barbacks don't do courtesy cuts on my limes. Okay. And so, it's basically, uh, you know, you cut, you wedge the lime. So, for those at home, basically, you take a round lime. There's a debate if you uh, roll the lime before you cut it. For home use, I don't think it's that important. You could do what you want to do. For professional use, it's a little bit more in-depth. But basically, you cut the heads and the tails off the limes. So you cut those parts off. You uh, I call it the belly button and the butt. Okay, the belly button and the butt, even though they're not <laughs> at opposite ends. One <laughs> <laughs> is in the front, one is in the back. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, okay. Yeah, it does look like... What, wait, what belly buttons are you seeing? It's just how I use the language here. They understand, okay? I mean, just off the top of my head, I would call that the nip and the pip. <laughs> okay, that, that works. That actually works better, right? So you, you cut those off. Then you, um, you're basically quartering the, lemon, the lime. So I see a lot of people that do it here in China, which I never did, was you cut it in half, and then you cut out the white part in the middle. That's called a pip. Mm-hmm. You cut that out first, and then you cut the limes. In the States, we cut the limes in half and then cut from the back, so from the green side versus the flesh side. Yes, I cut from the green side as well. Yeah, but... Because you basically half it, then you half it again, mm-hmm. then you half those quarters yeah. in half again, and then you end up with eight wedges. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's all I've ever seen, but here, people were like, oh, no, that's how you dull your knife blade. Uh, nah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that's nah. two ways of doing it. Like At Talkalicious, that's what we just started doing because we had enough staff that that's what they know. Yeah, when they started doing from the inside, though, the problem is that they're getting consistent sizes. Yeah. So you get some very skinny wedges and then some very mm-hmm. big wedges. And sometimes if the knife is not perfectly sharp, they also get, like, destroyed wedges. Yeah. So from the green side, you get, like, this. It's consistent. It's consistent, yeah. And also just keep a sharpener at the bar, sharpen your knives. Well, you actually sharpen your knife on the back of a plate, too. Like uh, any of those like glass plates, you turn them over that ridge that's on the plate. You can actually rub the knife and sharpen it with some water. Man, or you can just get a sharpener, man. Oh, <laughs> it don't cost you know, a lot. If you, if you need a knife at a pinch, sh- that's sharp. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, so that's lime. That's just lime as one garnish. Like in a courtesy cut, is basically you put the, a cut in the middle of the lime because oh, I do that. Yeah, because some people like to you know on the side of your drink. 
Yeah, so I do that, and I make all my bartenders prep like that. Yeah. Because when, when we're in a really busy, when we're in the weeds, right, and we're making gin and tonics and vodka sodas, we just put the lime on the wedge so people can choose if they want to squeeze inside mm-hmm. their drink or not. Um, and if they are not pre-cut with the little with the little slip that the little cut to put on the side of the glass, it just takes too much time for something that should be quick. Yeah. It just takes me getting a knife, getting the lime, flipping, putting the it becomes a process, right? Yep. So I, all of my citrus, I pre-cut with, I guess, a courtesy cut. Yeah, courtesy cut. There, you go. Yeah. there we go. Thanks, Reddit. Learning, yeah. Okay, so that's a lime. Um, a lemon. I mean, obviously, the juice from a lime, too, is super important for cocktails. Like, you could tell a cocktail that's made with lemon juice versus lime juice right away. Yeah, I think that, uh, especially on sourcing in China, when we're looking for limes, we need to go for the Thai limes, because mm-hmm. the local lime is a hybrid, almost. It's between a perfume lemon and a lime. Which has a lot of aroma in the skin. It's like it's quite nice, but it doesn't have the acidity that lime has. Awesome and more has a lot, yeah, and a lot less juice. But in the lemons here, I don't know where they are sourced from. The yellow lemons or the regular lemons, but they um, they have a lot of seed, mm-hmm. which I find it very hard to cut a pretty wedge. Yeah, I feel like every time I wedge a lemon here, I have to then cut the middle white part out, and I have to cut a little further so I can take all the seeds out as well. And you end up with this tiny little lemon wedge. <laughs> Well, that's also the thing, too. Like, um, a lemon, you're going to garnish the same way as a cut, the same way as a lime. Basically, you're butchering citrus. So it's the same kind of a process. You're cutting off the, the, the nips and the pips. Then you're slicing them through. Uh, you're getting a wedges out. With a lemon, you're going to get some more uh, some more wedges. I don't know how big your lemons are, but, you know, in China, we have a certain size. Like, if you're doing this in Florida or California... Or someplace where it's a lot of orange lemon production, then it's gonna be different, of course. I haven't actually realized how lemons look elsewhere. I don't remember. I think I'm just so stuck with the lemon here. Are they different? Fair enough. And then we go to our buddy, the orange. That one has a belly button. That one definitely has a belly button. Uh, so oranges are super crazy because first off, we're using them for their skin right away. We're using orange twists for so many things. Reposado tequila on the rocks with an orange twist, heaven. Uh, you have stuff like uh, old fashions, things like that. You want to do an orange twist. So I'm going to tell you that um, oranges in China are really good. Yeah. Like China has incredible oranges and so much variety, so many types. So they have that classic navel orange, have a, the sun-kissed basic orange. I don't know what type that one is. But they have a lot of these Chinese oranges as well, and they're all very sweet. They're all really nice. And the year-round, um, yeah, and the, the mandarin orange. Yeah. Anyway, also from here. Uh, and yeah, no, it's it's one of the things that's surprising. It's one of probably one of the best producers you can get here is oranges. They're oranges, really yeah. good. Yeah. Now, another uh, garnish that's still in citrus would be a grapefruit. Grapefruit, you're going to do, I feel like you don't do that many wedges of grapefruit. Depends. I think that I used to when I did a lot of high volume on Palomas. Yeah. But now we use more as a twist here and there. Like I mean, Oaxaca old fashion or something like that. We do we do so many palomas that I need to do it as a wheel, mm. just to save my my grapefruits. Yeah, but we do. Uh, but also, you know, like one of my favorite drinks lately in the summertime is gonna be a um, shoot. Think it's a gin, grapefruit juice, salty dog. Salty dog. Yeah, that's a good drink. That's just a fun drink. It's also really refreshing. Yeah. That's a that's I don't I picked that up drinking that in Vegas once I don't know why but then sometimes when you're in Vegas you go on these adventures and just everybody drinks the same drink and you're like we're salty dollar people now I don't remember where I drank in Vegas but 
Yeah. I think I was just frozen slushy by the meter and I was just like walking around like one of those. You know, they had, there's that one bar that does a bunch of flair on the strip. I forgot what it is, but it's like a flare bar on the strip. And like they do these meter long slushies. Oh, sorry, meter long drinks. And so it's like, a, I think it's like $50 a, back in the day. It was either 50 or $100. And like they're, they're making like people Long Islands and stuff like that. And I know Long Island isn't that much stronger than a normal drink. Yeah. So I was just like, give me a vodka soda. Yeah, just give me a vodka soda by so, the meter. Like, yeah. So it was about a bottle of vodka. And it's like, you can't handle it. I was like, trust me. Oh, trust me, I'm a professional. Two hours later, and the phone will be on Instagram. I was uh, imitating a parking uh, cone, a traffic cone, but I had that. I finished that drink, so damn him. So what I find also with garnishes, we have to talk about the one bad, crazy garnish that could go wrong. Is it a mint? No, it's not your favorite <laughs> friend, the mint. Sorry if you guys missed the last episode. I dread working with mints because I find mint the glitter of bars. Every time you open a bag of mint, it just goes everywhere. You find it in the shower. You find it in your house. You find it everywhere. What I wanted to talk about was the maraschino cherry. Ooh, the cherries, yes. I mean, this, cherry on top. the cherry on top. You can't have an old-fashioned or a tiki drink without a cherry on top. You can't have an old-fashioned without cherry on top. Well, you have to have a... Generally, people like to put a fruit salad. I don't like it. I don't. I don't do that, no. But we fancy. No, no cherries. But I'm going to have them with a cherry. But let's talk about these cherries, though. Like, you can get the real Luxardo cherries. Yeah, I like the Luxardo cherries. We have the Amarena cherries. Yeah. They're really good, too. They're gorgeous, but those bright red monstrosities. Like bleach, like, like Maraschino monstrosities. I'm going to tell you something. I like them. I know they're horrible for you. I know they're disgusting for everybody else, but I like them. I like when I go to something like Thailand and you have a... a Frozen pina colada, and they put one of those on top. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm classy now. It's like, I'm living the dream. Because we generally make our own, and I have one drink on my menu that has uh, frozen, uh, that needs a cherry. For a Mexican restaurant, we don't really need cherries. We make our own uh, cher like, uh, cherries like that. I was making my own, but also cherries are not the easiest fruit to get here and get consistently, and the quality was changing a lot, so I gave up, and I just started getting the actual uh, Luxardo ones. Yeah. And to be honest, for my need, it's just for basic. Like, I put it on the Vucare and I put it on um, on a Manhattan and, you know, it was, it, it's fine. It's fine. And I don't necessarily require more variety of cherries. Fair enough. I mean, but cherries, I think if you can just make your, if you're cherry capable. Cherry capable, yes. If you're, if you're cherry positive, try to make your own. So I am a, um, one of my favorite garnishes is fire because I'm a pyromaniac yep. at the bar. I like just putting things on fire. So I like burning things. And uh, yeah, that's one that could go wrong. And I thought that that's the direction he first told me. <laughs> no, no, no. No Freddy Krueger. That's not, that's not it. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate putting things on fire. Yeah. That's, I mean, blowing fireballs was one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I, I tried once. I mean, not once. I, I learned a while ago and I got really into it and then it burned your cheeks, the amount of alcohol in your mouth and mm -hmm. a lot could go wrong and it just became something that I was getting it's drunk. Just yeah. ripped fireballs yeah. and I'm like, nah, nobody needs this. I don't need this. I'm just going to put a, a half wheel of lime or fire on it and yeah. call it a day. I used to do that at nightclubs all the time as well, huge fireballs and it was like everybody was so excited when you did that. They're like, do something else. We're like, that's it. I just blew a fire. That's all I know. This is all I know how to do. This is the high end this here. Is it. <laughs> this is what I bring to I the peaked. table. <laughs> yeah, I've peaked already. Um, yeah, fireballs are dangerous, though. Now, how about like a pineapple? It's pretty self-explanatory. Take it off. Cut the cut the top of the pineapple off. 
you you cut off the sides, you core it, you're good to go. Uh, I like to roast my pineapples before I put them in drinks. With cinnamon sugar? Mm. Roast pineapple like margarita is absolutely next level. Uh, so Something like a lemon also, or a peach, you could put in the dehydrator, make it taste good. Oh God, please, please. The people that dehydrate citrus, and you went back home dehydrating your citrus, lower that temperature. Like, put those guys in, in sugar syrup beforehand. The amount of bars that I go and they have this burnt, dark, black lentils yeah. <laughs> because they're dehydrated in too high of a temperature and without any coating. Uh, if you cut them thin enough and you put them in like a simple syrup, like a one-to-one simple syrup bath, or even like, actually, a one-to-one might be too heavy, maybe um, like a, two. A, a 0.5 to 1 kind of simple syrup. You just soak them. You put on your little um, paper thing and you put in your dehydrator and you do a lower temperature and you can get this candid-looking perfect dry lemons well that's see that's the more you know guys it's another, you know. it's another no tip. i've learned i learned from a chef i worked in a with a michelin chef in a michelin star chef in a in a hotel and uh he i haven't at that point i wasn't doing any dehydrated fruits but we got a dehydrated and he just turned around and said if you're going to dehydrate something you need to do it right i refuse my food to be served with a burned dried lemon on the side and i was like okay and then he showed me how, and it was life-changing. You can get this perfect, beautiful, beautiful dry lemons, yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I think that's something we should all actually try, That the the, the perfect dehydrated lemon challenge. Right on. Okay, so you have your mint that you, you call glitter. For rosemary, when you use that as a garnish, do you burn your rosemary or not? I, torch it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people torch it. I don't get it. It uh, brings out the smells. No, I know, I know, I know why, but I don't think that that smell is necessarily yummy. Oh, see, that's the thing. I uh, that could be like cilantro. I think the smell is really good. Really, no, the the burnt rosemary for me is a bit. Mm, mm, mm. Fair enough. Mm. <laughs> what's what's another good garnish that you would recommend that people are going to use on a, on a daily basis for cocktail making? Or so we, we already talked about umbrellas. Yep. Uh, I, I like anything that's, like, funny in a cocktail. So I like funny coasters. I like funny little things clipped to the side and umbrellas and flags and have a flamingo on it. Well, have I got the thing for you? And we're going to post this in the podcast. There's a great author that writes a lot of amazing books called Camper English. He's uh, really check him out if you can. He's a fantastic, fantastic uh, blogger and all this stuff online. And he makes he he's one of the guys that did the the dry the the clear ice. Okay. He made the recipe for clear ice, like when you see it at a nice place. And he did this this thing for Fourth of July where it was all American flag ice cubes. Okay. And it's super super cool. Um, so we'll put that on the podcast. We'll show you on the Instagram, and we'll show you guys what it looks like. It's super cool, and that's Camper English. And that's a nice garnish. Now, speaking of that, what a segue, ice Anna, ice. What are we talking about ice? Well, you need ice. If you're going to have a garnish, you're going to need ice, right? What What are your thoughts about ice? Well, ice is the, it's for bartenders what fire is for a chef, right? Like we make our drinks out of ice. We control dilution, temperature, and everything out of ice. Uh, so it's essential. Now, are you one of those people that at Post No Bills on Wooding Road, do you make your own ice? We have a Hoshizaki ice machine, so <laughs> I guess I make my own ice, but... Yeah. I mean, we do so much volume. We we had a Hoshizaki at Punch because it was a cocktail bar. At the restaurant, we just buy in volume. But 
that's just talk like ice for everybody at home. There's a big difference between types of ice. Yes. So you have basically you have um, a big normal ice, like a uh, what you see in a whiskey bar, those big balls of ice, or you have those big squares of ice. And why do you have those? Well, the, the, the idea behind it is the bigger the ice, the less it melts because it maintains its own temperature. So we're talking about less dilution. Um, I have mixed opinions on the big ice because I think that most drinks should be drunk faster than they are anyway. I think a lot of people nest drinks for too long. And I think that I would focus more on the hardness of the ice versus the size. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the regular one-to-one, so an inch to an inch um, ice cubes, but they're really hard, meaning that they are made with clean, clear water, like distilled water, and they are very frozen to the correct temperature, and they basically are ice that's going to maintain temperature for longer. I don't think I don't think if you're having just a Negroni and if you're drinking it in the speed that you should be drinking it, that it will make that massive of a difference. But I know that there is a perceived value. So I know customers see like, ooh, big eyes. Yeah. And, like the round ice cube balls, the whole thing is they're supposed to melt evenly. Yeah. Right? Because alcohol is hotter than uh, than water. Sure. But I'm saying how much of a difference it actually makes when you're having one old-fashioned. No, I, 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 agree, I agree with you, but I think it's also for the people that drink. Like, we're not saying, like, you have to gombe or the sh- do a shot of your drink. No, 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 but we're talking about... Your drink is supposed to be drank while it's cold. Correct. And that's a very important thing, because that's the whole purpose of having your drink cold. But I'm saying you, you're going to drink it in, let's say, 15 to 20 minutes? Now, like, like a cold drink, let's, let's go for, like, the granddaddy of cold drinks, mojitos. Yes. Right? That's, like... Um, that's crushed ice. Now, crushed ice is not the same thing as a uh, ice cubes that you find like from the ice machine at a normal restaurant, or it's not the same thing as those big ices. In the old days, they would have these things, uh, and I know the term of this because I did stupid bar smarts a long time ago. With the mallets? Yeah, the mallets in the bag, and it's a name for it. I don't remember, but yeah. And also bar flex, by the way, if <laughs> anybody that knows bar smarts with Dale DeGroff. Anyway, so I did that thing, and they, there's a name for it, but basically you put all this ice in a bag, and you beat the shit out of it. And they have crushed ice. Well, nowadays there are machines that make it so that both machines that will break the ice, like the handle type, or there's the electronic type, or there are even ice machines that make pebble ice. Yeah. And pebble ice is a dream because it's hard, solid, small ice. So we're talking about something similar to crushed ice, but much a little bit bigger and harder than that. And it's it's great. But yeah. again, pebble ice is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but is it worth getting a machine just for that? Right. Yeah. But but you need these drinks like for for drinks that need this kind of crushed ice or pebbled ice. This can be like your Moscow Mule, your any of your uh, cobblers, and also that's a that's a glass where they're in, which I don't think we should cover too much on a garnish uh, episode. But I mean your glassware, all everything enhances a drink. If your glass is in a pewter or something, no, never pewter. Then pewter get get the fudge out of that uh, Renaissance fair. But if it's in a if it's in a copper or like a metal mug, it's supposed to not be drinking with a straw. Because you want it ice cold. A mojito in a glass, you want it with a straw. Yeah, um, I think mojitos also are more forgiven to dilution. Like if it takes longer and they get more diluted, it's not a drink that's going to be ruined, right? So we're talking more, but I think the dilution really matters in drinks that are like spirit forward because that consistency of the alcohol is important. So you still want it to be a little creamy, a little heavy, a little 
a little dark. And uh, if you add too much water to it, you kind of ruin it. But I think something like a mojito, it's more of a when you're thirsty and feeling hot and you want something that has alcohol, but it's also fun and limey. I don't like over-diluted mojitos. I think that's one of the biggest issues. I go to places and they put so much soda water and or so much whatever, so much dilution, right? And I think mojitos need to be a little sour, a little rummy. Yeah. But it's okay if they melt. I think that some drinks are more forgiven than others. Like for mojitos for me, what I like to add, and I learned this in Spain actually, I had an elf moment where this this place in Valencia said they had the best mojitos in the world. And I literally walked up and I said, good for you guys. Good job. You got it. And then they made me a mojito and it was, uh, they topped it with bitters. Uh, and then it really balances out. It brings the rum taste over. So I started doing it with Campari on top because I like the consistency. And I really like the color outlook. I mean, there's enough drinks that are brown. Yeah. Uh, but like a, that beautiful green of a mojito where it looks so fresh with a little topping of red. Is actually a nice, almost like, you know, the character Poison Ivy from Batman. It looks like that. <laughs> like green and red. Yeah, green and red. Christmas? Like elf? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, I don't know <laughs> where I went to Christmas from in this, but yes. And then, okay, so we got those garnishes. We got some ice. Anna, anything else you want to say about garnishes and ice? Look, at the end of the day, garnish as you will, as you want. Uh, the twists, the lemons, the limes, the grapefruits, the oranges give a lot of aroma and you know we taste a lot with our nose but it, after that everything else is just whatever makes you happy and put an umbrella in your beer if that makes you happy <laughs> yeah live your best life yeah have some fun don't think too much but how about straws straws yeah <laughs> look i uh ooh, controversial topic i use paper straws yeah we all in, in shanghai we almost all use paper straws i think that mm, I fell for that a little bit. There was a lot of controversy uh, about the environment and the straws because of the, the turtle with the straw in the nose that happened in the video, right? So everyone became against straws. Um, is it good to cut on one use plastic? Absolutely. I just don't think that we are in general in a very sustainable industry. I think that we use citrus that have been flown around the planet we use a lot of other plastic and a lot of other things. We use a shit ton of serum wrap, which is necessary for food safety. We're required to, but still, we do a lot of deliveries. They're not necessarily. So is the straw really the villain here? I don't think so. The thing with the plastic straws is that I could guilt trip a customer to maintain the same straw all night. <laughs> and with the paper straw, I'm giving them five. Yeah, that's the thing. A paper straw is going to go quickly. So what... But it's not going to get a turtle or a dolphin's. Sure. And then we have the argument about the bamboo straws or the straw straws and all that. But those are the metal straws. But then those require an extra cleaning that is manual. And when we're doing high volume, we're talking about hundreds of straws. And we're talking about somebody in the back with a little brush, brushing one by one. And that's it's a lot of work to put on somebody, especially putting like on a bar back, right? So I just settled for the paper. But... My ideal is to avoid using straws, to be honest, unless it is either frozen or a drink like a mojito or something that's necessary. Oh, fair enough. Uh, and I think that with let's have a cheers and a shot, and then let's end our garnish talk. Cheers. But we're not going any. And for our next segment, an ongoing segment that's called F&B Horror Stories. 
Brr. And today we have a common theme, which is I know the owner. I know the owner. Uh, for everybody back home that's been working in a place, it has been told, I know the owner. We know the frustration. The, the standard reply should be, I know him too. He hired me. <laughs> I have his numbers. But ultimately, it gets even more frustrated for people, frustrating for people like us that actually own businesses. And we are still told that they know the owner. The owner. Uh, I've been told, uh, so I had a bar for a long time called Logan's Punch. Has his name. My name. The title. No, of course, like any place, I had investors who were all friends of mine. And because they were my friends, I knew most of their friends. That's how friends work. Um, but however, uh, we had a time where there was a restaurant next to us, a beautiful Spanish restaurant called Tomatito. Fantastic. Check them out if you ever see them. Wonderful group of people. Uh, they had some customers that left their restaurant and came directly to my rest, my bar for whatever reason. And then uh, they proceeded to open a bunch of bottles of wine they bought at the restaurant, Tom Tito. No association with my bar, nothing but we shared, like, they were neighbors, like, so right next door to each other. Um, this guy comes in with his bottles of wine and uh, uh, some friends of his, and they start, or, and this is back when he could smoke, so they could lit, they lit up cigars. And they started drinking their wines, took up one of our nicer tables in the bar. And like, they were just having a jolly old time. And my staff were like, hey, listen, you can't, you can't drink somebody else's wine here. We don't sell that here. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. We know the owner. <laughs> now, when they tell it to the staff, my staff might be like, oh, shoot, it's Logan's friend. But I was there and I overheard it. And I was like, oh, you do, huh? And I walked over and they're like, oh, yeah, we know the owner. He said it's fine. And I said, oh, you know the owner? What's the owner's name? And they're like, Logan. And I was like, I know Logan too. Get out of here. What's he look like? And like, I was waiting for them to describe everything, but I was, fair play, I was a little bit more drunker than I could have been. Oh, God. And so I wasn't hiding the fact that I was Logan. And then also had a shirt on that said, I'm Logan. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> and then my staff kept running up to me saying, boss this, boss that. So uh, they didn't know the owner. And then I was like, guys, you got to go. They're like, no, no, it's fine. And I was like, that's not fine, guys. It's funny because everybody that knows the owner um, somehow doesn't. Because anyone that actually knows comes over and being like, hi, blah, 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 send me. Is that okay? Did they communicate with you, et cetera? If someone just blurs out, I know the owner, they don't. Uh, I had a funny story to hear at the bar, um, I think a, a couple months ago. Um, it was very late. We've already done last call. Uh, we were closing. This guy comes in, asks for a Guinness. And I served him a Guinness and I just told him that I was going to have to put it in a takeaway cup because we already done last call and I need you to know, wash the glasses and, you know, just get the bar closed up. And the guy got offended by that. He said that it's impossible to to have a Guinness in a known Guinness cup. And uh, I told him, well, sir, it's take it or leave it at this point because we're done last call. I'm doing you a favor. I'm giving you yeah, a drink pass. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing you a solid. So either you take it in the takeaway cup or you don't. Um, and again, this is our Friday nights are very busy. We're talking about like yeah, I've hundreds seen it here. of it's people. Packed. Yeah, it's packed. packed. We're in the weeds all night. So my patience was probably lower than normal. So I came over and I told him like, well, this isn't a negotiation. Either you take it in the takeaway cup or you don't have a beer. Right? And then he says, across the street, this other bar serves them in a Guinness cup. And I said, okay, go across the street. It's not that far away. Go across the street. Oh, but they already closed. I'm like, hmm. 
Look who has a problem now. Yeah, it seems like it seems like a your issue, sir. It's like a your problem. I'm still open. Uh, so I ended up getting fed up with a guy, and I said, you know what? We're just closing. And I took away the beer, and I said, you owe me nothing. No worries. Don't have to have the Guinness. The bar's closed, closed. I'm sorry. Last, last call was done. Yeah, and you're not a manager here. You're the owner here. Yeah, and I was just, I'm not going to stay here with my staff late after last call with a guy arguing about the wrong glassware, right? So I'm like, I'm done. Uh, I take the beer away. I ask him, like, you can please leave, sir. You don't owe anything. It's all fine. And then the guy goes to throw a little fit. He's like, how dare you? I'm ready to pay. He's trying to put money on the table. I'll pay double this and that. Do you know who I am? That whole thing. And then he says, oh, sweetheart, I know the owner here. I'm going to text him and you won't have your job tomorrow. And I was like, oh, you too? You know the owner here? It's like, yeah, he's a very powerful man. Very friend of mine. Long <laughs> time friend of mine. And you won't last in this business. Blah, blah, blah. He's going to hear everything about you. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. You do that. You go outside. You get the fuck out of my bar. And good luck texting your friend about it. <laughs> and I, it left me wondering if, does he think somebody else owns this bar? Does he actually was that confident that he knew the owner? Like he knew a guy that he thought was the owner? Or was just a pure bluff? Because I just played along. I'm like, oh, okay, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I won't have my job. Oh, no. I'm very, very scared. <laughs> well, see, that's that's uncomfortable for us, but we could tell a funny story. But um, I know there's thousands and millions of bartenders and servers and barbacks and bussers that somebody's like, oh, I know the owner. And they're like, oh, shit, what do I do? Yeah, the thing is, I think that, at least for me, like I give a, a good safety, like I give, I, give, I protect my my employees, right? And I know them. So I know that even if they do maybe get too frustrated with somebody or even if they do get stressed out and are kind of rude, they are not ultimately wanting anything bad for the business. Ultimately, they just made a decision on that time. So if somebody were to come to me when I was not here and say, can you believe your bartender did whatever the issue is, I would most likely have their back. I most likely ask them, this person said this will happen. And to be honest, the explanation made sense is probably the real yeah. story like yeah. at the end of the day I was there too so I don't think my staff would be that afraid of somebody saying I know the owner also because again like I'm a text message away right so if some friend says they're coming I probably tell my bartender like hey I have my friend blah 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 coming when they come can you please give them a shot or something yeah, like exactly. I, I set the boundaries ahead of time so I don't care I don't think my bartender's care but I feel bad for I'm sorry if you're working at a bar back home and if somebody says, you know, the owner, you get afraid of it, get scared of it, maybe the owner doesn't have your back. But for me here, at least I just think it's funny. Yeah, it's one of those things there where it's super annoying. It's, I know the owner and I've been waiting here for 30 minutes or like when somebody just walks in like, oh, I've been waiting here for 30 minutes. You're like, you've been here for five minutes, bitch. I saw you walk. I opened the door for you. I watch you. I'm, I'm, I'm behind you. <laughs> behind you this whole time. <laughs> no, that's super annoying. Or it's like, Somebody orders a dry martini, and then they're like, oh, why does this drink taste like this? Or they order their drink exactly to their specifications. Or they come in and they want a drink from another place. Like, do you know how to make this blue drink I had at Denny's? Oh, my God. And then they show a photo of the menu of this other place. This thing is called a blueberry paradise. Why don't you make me a blueberry paradise? My answer is, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how they make it. And also not on our menu. Yeah. I had a... a we hear a lot of a lot of that here, especially in China. I think they, uh, we have a lot of entitled customers, and a lot of I know the owner, I know better kind of thing. And these are these are uh, 
to say the truth, there are almost always foreign customers. Uh, I'll say mix, but but the foreigns are just more outspoken about it, I guess. Because the local ones, they will not really complain, but then they'll put a bad review. Which is like, it's a passive-aggressive, like, jumping, which is our Yelp kind of uh, review. But uh, I had a lady that ordered a Negroni, then told me that it's too bitter, that she doesn't like to drink. Horrible drink, why do I have that on the menu? And then asked me to put lemon juice on it. And then I told her, I will do it at your own request, but it's not going to make it any better. Um, I did it. She hated it. And then she said, why did you put lemon juice if you knew it wasn't going to taste good? And I was like, no, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. Here's a vodka soda. Here's the fuck up. (laughs) UTFO. Okay, well, uh, that has been Bartender Horror Stories. And if you guys have any horror stories to tell us, please submit them on our Instagram. Uh, Please go on our Instagram China OT rocks slide in our DMS and tell us your story so we can share it here next week. And now for drinks I've been drinking. So this week I've been drinking a lot of cider. Funny enough, not a cocktail, not bringing up anything fancy here. Um, I have this friend uh, called Jerry and he owns this beer slash fermentation uh, company called Brewlosophy. Uh, they make delicious beers, but they've made a really, really good cider. And it's a apple and passion fruit cider. Ooh, that sounds good. It's delicious. It's super tart. Also a little sweet, super fresh. He dropped us some samples after an event last week. Uh, we had a couple as a staff here, and then we loved it so much, so we decided to put on the menu, and I guess that's been the, what I've been drinking. That's a good drink you've been drinking. What have you been drinking, Logan? What have I been drinking? What I've been drinking is vanilla bourbon Coke floats. Sounds delicious. Oh, it's like an angel dancing across your lips. But I've heard you've been drinking a lot of martinis this week. You mean I've been drinking on the side? Oh, he's been drinking on the side, yeah. Yes, I have. So we do this thing quarterly called uh, Five Martini Lunch. Many rents here. It's been many, many years, maybe four or five years that they've been doing it. And I've been always saying, can I join? Can I join? <laughs> and they always say, next one. Next one will register the group. Next one will invite you. Next one. And it's been five years and I'm still not in this group. Well, now it's on record. It might be six years. And I was off. I, was, I had a day off. My bar was closed on Monday, and that was the day they decided to do it. But tell us more about your five. Oh, we generally only do it on a Monday, because <laughs> nobody expects nobody expects the five martini lunch on a Monday. Explain, explain the concept. So basically, I have an aunt named Lily. Uh, shout out to Alameda, and she and my aunt Helen took me to dinner once in San Francisco at our restaurant. That was a beautiful restaurant, and um, before we could open the menu for the restaurant, they. We had a drink of martini. Then we could look at the menu for the restaurant, and then we had to have a martini, and then we could order. That's when the bottles of wine come in. After we finish our meal, before dessert, we have another martini. And then uh, we have our after-dinner drinks, like porter schnapps or whatever, and then it's um, another martini. So I think the calls will come from the three-martini lunch. This was a five martini plus bottles of wine dinner with two <laughs> older women at yeah. Fairlawn in San Francisco. I understand that. I think the concept comes from the expression a three martini lunch, which was back in the 1940s or 50s. It was very... 60s. Mad Men. Yeah, the Mad Men era, but it's 50s, started in the 50s, I guess, was the concept that businessmen would go for lunch and have a business meeting and drink, but their limit was a three martinis or a three martini lunch, right? Which 
sounds insane nowadays. Imagine having three martinis on lunchtime in an office and just go back to work. Yeah, only three martinis. It'd be so it'd be so limiting. So you guys upped to a five martini lunch. So you actually meet for lunch, right? We meet for lunch. Uh, we do the rule. We have two martinis at the one spot. And then we go the next spot. And then we have to have a... It, there's got to be a refuel station somewhere for water. There's got to be... But we go at least five or six bars with different martinis all over the city. There could be shots. There could be other drinks. Doesn't count for the martini. And then there's different themes per martini. What do you mean themes for martini? By the fourth martini, we call it the dark martini. Okay. Like we this time we were talking about um, the consumption of animal meat. Oh, the conversation you mean? Conversation gets very dark. <laughs> there's a happy martini, the sad martini, the dark martini. Okay. All right. So each each every there's a theme of the conversation. Is it a classic? Is it a dry martini? Like it's a, a vesper martini. It's a vesper. Yeah. Every vesper. Okay. If they don't do a Vesper, uh, like Liquid Laundry this time, only did uh, gin martinis. Okay, like a classic drive. Classic gin. So we went to uh, Charbonne, where we had a beautiful lunch. Then we went to the Coconut Crew, where we had uh, wonderful coconut drinks. I had a, a Oaxaca uh, Old Fashioned. Okay. Fantastic with toasted coconut. Then we had uh, drinks over at Liquid Laundry. We had the martinis. Then we went to uh, Zup Pizza, unfortunately closed. So we went to Atelier. You know they make delicious martinis, funny enough. Yeah, I, I, I do this goal. Every time I go there, um, we go for pizza. Me and my boyfriend go there a lot, and we always have, I, mean, I always have martinis. He always has Cosmos, but yeah. No, they do a great job. From from there, we went to Genetics, then Dreamsicle. Okay. And then we went to Nightingale. Okay. So that's where we finished our martinis at Nightingale. Damn, that's a long day. I was I was fine. It was a good day. That's fine. Our that's My fine. friends, my colleagues were not I as good. I was ready for a nap. Uh, so to, that's what I was drinking to close up the drinks you've been drinking how much vermouth in a martini I like a I like a wash oh just a wash yeah but that's just my taste I'm a a, a 10 ml so like two bar spoons what's that an ounce like below half an ounce like a yeah I think that's do you like olives or lemon twist uh, I like lemon twist personally but so, I think most people like olives so I'll I'll put olives basically we ask before the bar we ask like would you like a lemon twist or olives? The answer is usually olives. I think the lemon twist has a lot more to give to a martini in the sense of like freshness and aroma. Back to the garnish thing, there's a reason. But I like a Gibson. Give me some pickled onion. Ooh, yeah. Gibsons are good. Gibsons are the silent, like they, they roll like uh, true G's, like uh, a little Wayne says, little like sweet, a, a little salty, a little vinegary. Like just Gibson. right over gin. I like wet martinis as well. I like I like my vermouth in it. Yeah. But yeah. We're all good. Well, I think that's another episode of China on the Rocks. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking around all of our rambling and renting. And now, for those at home keeping track, we are only three shots of whiskey into it today. Yeah. I mean, they, they only they only witnessed two. They only heard <laughs> the two. The only one is, is off right now. one. Off, we have, off microphone. We had a warm-up whiskey just to get, you know, the juices flowing. Guys at home, uh, tell us in the DMs. How do you warm up for something like this? Yeah. You don't have to drink before a shift. We're not saying that, but what is your go-to warm-up? Iced coffee, I know. <laughs> Iced coffee is fair. Some people need a cigarette. Some people just want to listen to a podcast or a song. We talked about that a little bit before. What's your warm-up? How do you get ready for a big day, for a big shift? Contact us. Get in touch. We really want to make this an interactive space for us in F&B or F&B lovers or people that want to get into it or just people at home making drinks. Get in touch with us. Follow us on Instagram, China OT Rocks. Slide in our DMs, and I'll see you guys next week. Cheers, guys. See you guys, everybody, later. Bye.